Welcome to the Happy Homeschooler podcast, a digital support group for everyone interested in a learning lifestyle. I'm your host, Melody. I'm your co-host, Holly. Well, hi, Holly. Today we're going to be starting an occasional series on unique learning challenges that homeschoolers face. But before we get into our topic, um, how have you been doing? We've got some crazy weather going on in Texas. Oh, we sure do. And um, I've been spending a lot of time getting prepared uh, to deal with this cold weather, uh, making grocery orders for foods that don't have to be kept cold in case the power goes out and um, gathering all the warm clothes that we might need. And I have a box of kosher salt to throw on the porch to melt any ice that we have. Um, It's it's kind of crazy and it's kind of fun because, you know, it's not going to be here that long. Well, it's out of the ordinary for us. Mm. We've already got ice on the porch, and our power went off yesterday or the day before, and so we we found out what just how prepared we were. <laughs> like, did we have a backup plan? And we did. Actually, that was Thursday, and we did, but it's just that we always know in February in Texas, we get a taste of winter. Yes, every time I see people getting excited about their gardens at the end of January, when oh, we have that, no. <laughs> I think, oh, don't do it. And, you know, it's so funny because we've been watching the forecast. My husband is obsessive about the weather. But every night, the low that's going to come in on Monday night keeps getting lower. First, it was nine. Yes. Then it was five. Now it looks like it's one and we might get many, many inches of snow. Um, but you know what? I'm just going to try to enjoy it because hopefully it's rare, although we just had snow a few weeks ago, so I don't know what to think. Thanks, what have you yeah. been doing besides getting ready for all this crazy weather? Well, I had I uh, was sick last week, but it took me completely by surprise. I never get sick, and so I'd kind of forgotten how uncomfortable and distressing it can be and I think it was I think it had something to do with that first cold front that came through here the barometric pressure changed and mm-hmm. blew something in and so I felt like I lost several days this last week I had things to do and being sick in bed kind of gets in the way of that but I'm trying to make up for lost time yeah I I know that feeling I've also been uh last time when we talked I was getting ready for all of the uh holidays in a row so I feel really excited because I managed Super Bowl Sunday and I managed to get through uh we had Lunar New Year yesterday and then it's Valentine's Day tomorrow and when I made my grocery order um that's coming tomorrow I also remember to put those cherry pies on it for President's Day oh there you go (laughs) so uh yeah I was like oh I gotta remember that but I'm sure all of our listeners are all facing some real cold weather. It looks like it's just gripping the whole country. And I hope everybody stays safe and warm and you spend time listening to the podcast instead of going outside. Right. Of course, by the time the podcast airs, it'll be past Valentine's Day, but we are looking forward to kind of a cozy at-home celebration. Yep. That's the same here for us and baking things to keep the house warm. (laughs) Yes, as long as the power holds. Well, let's get into our topic. We wanted to start doing some deep dives into some specific topics. And the first one we want to talk about is the unique learning challenges that people face. A lot of people uh, come into homeschooling because the classroom situation is not a good fit for their kiddo. 
That's true. Um, I had a small academy, which you were a part of, and we had a higher than average amount of children in our academy that had all kinds of challenges. Um, we had children with anxiety, children on the autistic spectrum, children with um, food allergies and other other um, issues like dysgraphia or dyscalculia. But you know what? They thrived and we all got along and we had a really happy little academy because you can successfully homeschool kids who have these learning challenges. Oh, absolutely. And a lot of the times for things that are the ones that you mentioned, it's just a matter of making adjustments to what you had planned. You may not be going with like a really straightforward with your curriculum, you're going to need to make some changes. And even though overall, I feel like my children were neurotypical, we made a lot of adjustments for the wigglier ones and the ones who had some vision problems and um, a few attention problems and things like that. You just, as the parent, you are the boss. And if you can see that your curriculum is going along at a pace that is too quick, or if the way the information is presented doesn't get in to your kid, you can make a change. And we did a lot of that. Exactly. So my five older kids, I wasn't really aware of any particular things with some of them. But my my fourth child, um, he was very different from the beginning. We never had him evaluated. But when I would read things about children who had um, Asperger's, which is on the autistic spectrum, he really fit the uh, the definition of that. And so we did have to adjust things for him. And then we had people who were, uh, like you said, wiggly. A lot of times wiggly kids um, are ADHD. And so you have to figure out a way to work with that. And um, I think my son, my eight-year-old is ADHD. He has an extreme need to move. He doesn't have focus problems, but he's really, really full of energy. And so we, we try to work into his day ways that he can learn and still move his body. Right. And um, when my, my oldest daughter uh, went into public high school, she had a lot of problems with uh, math. And finally, we had her evaluated, and she had dyscalculia. And then my youngest daughter, though we didn't really know it at the time, I mean, we knew she had some anxiety. Um, She liked to know what was going on, uh, have this measure of comfort. Things that other kids didn't notice really bothered her. Um, But I didn't didn't really know as much about anxiety then as I do now. So, um, and I see that my youngest son has some anxiety and we talk about it. He has anxiety about crossing the street. He's really afraid about cars. And we talk about how we can give ourselves some comfort when we have to do things because you can't avoid crossing the street. So yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of different things that homeschoolers face with their children and there are ways to be successful with all of them. There are, and I'm glad you mentioned being evaluated because sometimes if you have a, a disability, it is beneficial to have that diagnosis because then you can qualify for some help for your child. That's true. And of course, you and I are not professionals uh, in any aspect of this. We're just people who've observed over long, long years of homeschooling um, things that have helped um, kids with like my kids at my academy, kids with dyscalculia and things that helped them things that helped our kids who are on the spectrum. 
But yes, we strongly urge you, if you feel like there are things going on with your child and you don't really have a handle on it, to go ahead and speak to your pediatrician and um, get your child evaluated. Because, um, so my husband, he thinks, you know, he has um, Asperger's as well. He didn't find this out until we had our middle son and uh, we were trying to figure out his issues. And my husband said, boy, it would have been helpful if somebody had told me why it was the way I am a long time ago. So it's helpful for your kids, too, um, if they because they wonder, why am I doing these things? Why is this hard for me? It's and it makes them feel better to know it's not their fault. That's right. Well, and then if you know what's going on, you can find a lot of resources, uh, not only books, but other parents who have gone before you and who can give you some tips and some ideas to make your your life more doable because sometimes if you for example if you have someone with anxiety and my youngest son we have come to realize had some anxiety over the years we just it was part of who he was and he had ways of dealing with it but as he got older and into the workforce he began to realize hey there's I might need a little help and figure out some ways to manage it it just is more helpful to know what you're dealing with exactly than to be floundering around. And so there are some good, I do want to mention some good places to find some information. I know that um, I have picked up a book once called How to Get Your Child Off the Refrigerator and On to Learning, <laughs> which, you know, that title. <laughs> just the title by itself was good. And at that point, it was that, that son that kind of has anxiety, who we know has some ADHD or some tendencies in that way. But it was full of ways to make learning um, more accessible for them like mm -hmm. that person just games you don't have to do everything with pencil and paper you can teach things with a game or you can evaluate in some other ways if your child has test anxiety and these are not the kind of learning challenges we want to be talking about but um, that was that was by Carol Barnier and she does a really good job in there of how to get them how to how to homeschool those highly distractible or ADHD fidgety children. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it definitely is a challenge. I, I taught my um, oldest son his letter sounds by taping letters on the floor and letting him jump to them and give me the sounds and say the letter name because he he just never sat down. For years and years, he just never <laughs> sat down. I didn't know how he was going to learn to read. And he is uh, he's a great reader now, so it's a real satisfaction that I... I know I was a part of that, but boy, was it a challenge to get him to be able to look at those letters and do his uh, sounds and all. Right. That That is a hard one. I had a way long time ago when I was teaching kindergarten, had a student who had a hard time. He was pencil resistant. And then, of course, you're trying to learn how to write those letters. And the solution turned out to be walking the letters on, you know, clear the space on the floor and let him walk the the way to write those letters, and he could, he got it down that way, and then his fine motor muscles, like, followed after the large motor muscles got that process in, in place, you know, pull down, and then a big loop, and then a straight line, and his handwriting improved once he physically got up and walked the letters. It was fascinating to watch. Well, there is some research, I, I don't remember where I first heard about it, but that shows that large muscle movement um, paves the way for small motor skill movements and for reading. So um, a lot of times people want 
Like they want to sit kids down at a desk, but really the best thing you can do for the kids to take them to the playground and let them run and jump and climb all over things. That's what really gets their brain prepared for the work of reading. So getting back to the core of our topic, we want to uh, be sure to give people some right now resources that they can use since we're going to be visiting this topic occasionally in a series uh, over time. Uh, Holly, do you have anything you want to share right off the bat? Um, yes, HSLDA has um, a section of homeschooling uh, struggling learners. They they call it um, homeschooling kids with special needs or teaching my kids with special needs. And they have resources on their page. So you can go to hslda.org and look for special needs and it'll pop up. And we'll, we'll have this link in the show notes as well. But they have, um, they cover things about why children have learning challenges, how to find resources and get evaluations. Um, how do you homeschool kids who have these learning challenges? What about high school and beyond? Um, very comprehensive. So that's a really good place to start when you're looking for some guidance on homeschooling a child who has learning challenges. That is a good place. I know there's a book out, um, Homeschooling Your Struggling Learner. You can find that. I think that's still on Amazon. And then another one that I really liked called uh, Called Parenting by oh. Doug and Patsy Arnold. Oh, yes. They have, a, couple. And, um, they have a book about interventions that you can do for your special needs homeschoolers. And I did check. That's still available on Amazon. It might be out of print, but I know that it's worth getting your hands on to get some ideas. I found good ideas in there just for my, my Wiggly children and some things that we did anyway that I never would have guessed would be interventions. They were just those hands-on ways that we um, approached learning. Because my point was always like, okay, here's the curriculum, here's the activity or whatever we're going to do. Is that going to work for us? And if it's not, how do I modify it to make it work? Because in the end, the point was learning, not getting through the curriculum. But is my child learning and are they progressing? Yes, um, that's the important part. And, and you know, I was talking to a lady just the other day and she said her child doesn't like to write things on paper. Um, so in specific, we were talking about math and she said he didn't want to put the answers down on his worksheets. And I said, well, um, you know, it's not unusual for six-year-olds to be pencil resistant, but, you know, the, the focus is to get the learning done. So you can, he can do the problems and give you the answers. You can write them down. Um, he can do the problems and teach you how to do it. So you can judge his mastery. There's a lot of way, there are a lot of ways that you can get the learning accomplished, even if it doesn't go with what the curriculum is asking you to do. Right. So yeah, modifications are key. And you have to feel, you don't have to feel like the curriculum is your boss. It's just there to help you and you figure out what the best way is to teach those concepts if it's not working. Like we had, I had a curriculum for my, um, my son who's on the spectrum. We had a Becca's handbook for reading, but it was a lot of drill and it didn't really work for him. So I found a different curriculum um, which was sing, spell, read, and write. And that one, boy, it was like night and day because it had different activities and it, it was multi-sensory and it had music. It worked really well for him. 
So say you can't buy a new curriculum. Well, maybe you can sing the alphabet with your child. Or um, you can play math games that illustrate the math concept your child needs to learn. They won't be as resistant. Um, so you have you can use that curriculum as just a guideline. Okay, that's a good point about games too. We played a lot of games, and then we made up games, and we used games as review for things that we read. The kids made up games, and they were hard. <laughs> anytime, anytime I was like, "Do I want to make you know a game out of this or review game?" It was much harder than what I would have done, but they knew what they had learned, and it was a good way to practice. Yes, for sure. So um, another uh, resource for homeschooling kids with um, learning challenges is THSC.org. That's the Texas Homeschool Coalition, and they have a very nice uh, set of resources. And I would think that many homeschool associations across the country would also have these type of resources. So whatever state you're in, I would say look to your homeschool state um, organization or your local support group. They probably have information that they'll be happy to share with you on educating kids with learning challenges in a homeschool setting. And many of the state organizations will also have legal information that will be helpful to you. So I would really encourage you to go to those organizations um, and see what you can find out. Right. And they and usually there's someone in the organization who can connect you to another parent who will have resources that you may need. If you don't know or you haven't already talked to your pediatrician or someone, someone in your local community probably knows someone who knows someone. Yeah, exactly. There's always going to be recommendations and you you get the best uh, information from people who have gone through before you. They're the ones who will tell you, no, don't do that. That's just terrible. Or, hey, this is a great, um, you know, great curriculum for kids with dyslexia. The people who have gone through, they know, and they want to prevent you from having to go through what they went through. I think those are, are great ways to find information. And those these learning challenges aren't rare. They're just not talked about a lot. That's true. Um I think sometimes people don't talk about them because they feel it reflects on their parenting and it doesn't reflect on your parenting at all. That is a good point. You know, when you have a kid with these challenges, um, a lot of times going out into public is kind of hard. And my my middle son would really put me through the paces. Um, So, you know, it's how you deal with your child that has learning challenges that shows the care you have for that child. They're gonna have issues. It's just how you address those issues. We're going to take a short break to hear a word from our sponsor. And when we return, we'll have an interview with a longtime homeschooling parent of eight who has years of experience teaching children with learning challenges. Our podcast today is sponsored by Transcript Maker. It's an online service that allows you to create professional high school transcripts in the comfort of your own home. That is a real big bonus, too, in the comfort of your own home when we're having these crazy winter storms and nobody wants to have to go out and do one more thing. It's really helpful that you can just go online and everything you need is right there. Yes, it is. And I love the fact that it's there 24-7 because I don't know about the other people who are making transcripts, but I always seem to be doing them at midnight or 2 a.m., 
And the best part about Transcript Maker is there's a help center on the website. So when you have those 2 a.m. questions, you can go right to the help center and get some answers. That is awesome. Um, people can get a 14-day free trial at www.transcriptmaker.com. And I know we have something special going on right now. We have our own code to get 20% off for our listeners. Just type in HAPPY in all caps, H-A-P-P-Y, when you subscribe and you'll get 20% off. Transcript Maker. Simply better transcripts. Welcome back to the second half of our podcast. Uh, Melody is not able to join us today because we've been struggling here in Texas with trying to get things done during a record snowstorm that we're not used to dealing with. So we couldn't get Melody to join us today. We do have joining us today, however, Jennifer Jones, a friend of mine since 2011, homeschool mom of eight, who has a son that she's homeschooling on the autistic spectrum. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I think this is awesome that you guys are doing a, a learning abilities special series. It's really needed, I think. Uh, yeah, so I have eight kids that I've been homeschooling for forever. <laughs> um, and Mason is the reason. He's my second oldest. He's 23 now. And he's the reason we started homeschooling a long time ago. In about second grade, he started to just shut down in public school. And we, around the same time, we met friends who were homeschooling. So it kind of opened our eyes to some options. And that's when we decided to, that we might be able to help him more at home. And it's been really successful on our part, I think. And he's doing great as an adult. And I'm happy to answer whatever questions you guys have about it. That's fantastic. So what were some of the issues um, that Mason was experiencing in public school? So early on, he was in um, special ed classes. I'm not sure what they call them now, but in the like early intervention programs. Mm -hmm. And that was great. We were at a great school. We loved them. I was really involved there. But as he got into grades where they were doing more academic work, he really was behind. He couldn't he couldn't read. He couldn't do math He and things like that. And those things started to stress him out. And I think second grade was about where everything in the classroom, on the walls, on the floor, everything was something he had to read to be able to keep up in class. And he started calling himself stupid, which was something Aww. new. Yeah. And that was really heartbreaking. And it was something new. And we worked with the the teachers. Um, we, we discussed our, you know, desire to homeschool with our, his team there. And they were very against it because they felt like socially it wouldn't be good for him. But we, what we were seeing on our side was that he wasn't doing well socially in the school environment because he was so stressed, he would just shut down every day. And we were at one of those schools where they have the half walls between classrooms and sounds were really overwhelming for him. So he couldn't just focus in his room. He could hear all the sounds and it was overwhelming. He would hide under his desk. Kids were starting to make fun of him and he was starting to notice that. Um, so we just felt like we we felt like we weren't really worried about academics. We were more concerned about his stress level and him being happy and healthy. And we felt like we could take the stress off of him by bringing him home and seeing what we could do with him at home. Yeah, that makes sense. I have um, three sons and my middle son would most likely be considered to have Asperger's if he had been evaluated and 
we were already homeschooling um, when he was a little kid. We started when he was 18 months old, but he had trouble reading too. And Mm -hmm. he was very stressed out just being at home um, with the thought that he wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing and noises bothered him and smells bothered him. He was sensitive to everything. And I, I look back and I think, I'm glad we were already homeschooling because he felt bad that he couldn't read, but he had a lot of things he felt good about because he wasn't having to compare himself to other kids his own age. You know, he didn't feel bad that his older sister and brother could do things he couldn't because that was normal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And we were, same thing. We were concerned about his emotional well-being. Right. Yeah. So um, you brought Mason home and you had just two kids at that time or what was your situation? <laughs> uh, we actually, I believe we had five kids at that time. Okay. I think so. But I only have one that's older than him who also has his own special needs that are more physical needs. Um, and we pulled him out of school at the same time. And then we've homeschooled since then. We noticed, and some people find it hard to believe when I talk about it, but we noticed an immediate change in Mason. Um, probably after a week or so, he was able to be around people and not shut down. And previously, like if we tried to go to the park and play with other kids, he just couldn't handle it. It was too much. And um, after about a week at home and being away from the school environment, he was able to go to the park with us and actually interact, you know, on a his own level, but interact with other kids and and feel good about it. And not shut down and not hide away while we were there and things like that. So we really noticed it immediately. Um, We took a while before we tried to do any kind of academic work with them. We just kind of let them, you know, you heard decompress, decompress, let Mm -hmm. them de-school and all of that. And we definitely did that with him and we let him just take his time and, and we waited until he seemed like he was just feeling better about himself before we tried to do any kind of schooling with him. Now, he was in the public school system, and you said he had a team and he had services. Did those services continue in any way when you brought him home? They did not. Um, He had, right before that, he had been in speech and OT and things like that at school, but they had ended the year before. Uh, So his services were primarily based just on his autism needs. And so we didn't feel like the school wouldn't offer us those. We weren't able to get them, but we also didn't feel like they were necessary once he was out of the environment. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of what they were focused on was socially, like they were doing a lot of work trying to get him to memorize all his classmates' names and things like that. Um, To me, that wasn't really quality social interaction for him. Right. That's kind of weird. Um, yeah, because that's not what we do. And we when we interact right. with people in a normal day, I think that that was their like litmus to show like, see, he is being social at school. He does know other children and things like that, because that was they never they didn't really fight us about withdrawing him. But they were very concerned that if we withdrew him, he wouldn't be able to interact with other children. And as we know, in the homeschool community, that's far from how it really is. Uh, but I think that the, a lot of people in the public school system don't see that side of homeschooling and how social it can be. Um, so they were really trying to push us to, to show us that he could be social at school, and it just wasn't happening. Sure. Well, and since you have a large family, social opportunities are just in everyday living. Yes, absolutely. And yeah. he's around different age groups because of that, because of their friends and things like that. 
Were there any particular resources that you found really helpful in homeschooling Mason? So with him, what I what I did with him is what I do with all of my kids because really they all have their own you know special abilities and they all have areas they struggle in, and and I really just catered his instructional stuff to what he needed, and some of that was he could handle just regular curriculum or regular stuff that everyone, you know, in the house was doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then some of that he needed extra help. So for example, with reading, he was, he had a really difficult time understanding phonics. Um, And I ended up, one of the things that really helped us was the Saxon phonics intervention program. It's a really complex program. I don't even know if it's around anymore, really. Um, <laughs> but but it was a it was a long like we spent a year doing really complex phonics just so that he could get the grasp of it. And he he never progressed very far with his reading. You know, he's not at a high level or anything. But he was able to finally grasp that, and it was just a slow learning process. Uh, we also used a lot of things that were uh, dyslexia based, uh, like s- sequential spelling and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I found that a lot of the curriculums that were focused on dyslexia were helpful, not just for him, but for any of my kids that were having problems with any subject because it kind of takes it and slows it down for them. Mm-hmm does it more of a step-by-step kind of thing. Uh, So some of those resources were really helpful. Uh, Other things were things that I wouldn't have used with my other kids. Uh, Saxon math was great for him because it was so repetitive, Mm -hmm. which is why I don't use it for my other kids. (laughs) Um, Never, never liked it, but for him, it was really, it was really good. So really, as far as resources go in teaching, it, it was what you would do with any of your kids. You just kind of find something, try it out. If it works, great. If it doesn't, find something else. And so I wouldn't say that there was anything really that stuck out resource-wise. We didn't have any outside resources, though. We didn't, he didn't do any kind of therapies or anything after he was home. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I noticed um, with my middle son, he was the catalyst for changing some curriculum uh, as well. He struggled with the Abeka reading program. It was too dry and drill for him. And he thrived when we used um, sing, spell, read, and write because he really responded to music and more game type activities. Um, And we changed our math curriculum for him as well. And we went to a more hands-on Matthew C. And so, yeah, you're right. Homeschoolers naturally just adapt things to meet each child's needs. And I'm glad to hear that that worked really well for you and Mason. Um, What kinds of advice would you have to people who are who have kids in the public school system who are on the spectrum um, and they feel like the school is not meeting their child's needs and but they're worried that they might be letting their child down if they take them out of school? What would you say to them? I think the biggest thing is to get plugged into the homeschool community Um, where we live. We have a a great community. The Austin area has a great community, but get getting online and like the Facebook groups and things like that, reach out. There are so many people who are out there homeschooling kids with special needs of all kinds. And, and usually you'll find that they're really willing to share their experiences with you and help you not feel like you're alone in the, you know, in the whole journey. Um, If you feel like you've exhausted what you can do with the school after, you know, being involved and, and attending IEP meetings and all of that stuff. There's not any harm in trying 
trying it out at home. You can always try, you can always go back if it doesn't work for you. Um, I think the, it, giving your family a break, giving your child a break for a little bit is so helpful. I agree. I think that a lot of the problems that kids are having in the public school situation is like what you described, where the overall environment isn't helpful. It might be that the instructional materials are great, but if it's noisy and the, um, you know, the fluorescent lighting is making sounds that's distracting, which is a common problem for sensitive people or, um, you know, even smells like my son was really sensitive to all kinds of smells. He couldn't sit in the car near whoever was the baby at the time because he could smell their diaper and it just drove him nuts. You know, the, there are a lot of things going on in a big in, uh, institutional environment like a school that make barriers for kids to learn. Yes. And when you remove think, those, they, they thrive. Absolutely. And that's what we saw. And I think even our, like you said, our, our teachers at our school were wonderful with Mason and they really had his best interests, you know, at heart, but, but they couldn't give him what he needed in that environment. And he, you know, his coping skills even were not his coping skill at that time was to shut down for mm -hmm. himself. He would like to go, you know, hide under a table in a corner. And that wasn't really acceptable in the classroom, but outside of the classroom with us, we were allowed to let him cope the way he needed to cope when he felt overwhelmed. And that was huge for him. Yeah. And um, of course, our, our listeners don't know, but the way that you and I met is because there was this little homeschool academy, this once a week academy that um, our kids both attended. And you and I eventually became part of running that academy. And we had a lot of kids with a lot of different needs, but we were able to accommodate them. And the kids all did very, very well. And that's the beauty of homeschooling and, and these small little academies is that we can allow the kids, if they need a moment to go outside of the classroom or if they need to sit on a ball to have some movement, we, we can accommodate those things. And it doesn't distract the other kids. They accept it. I think the homeschooling community, the kids themselves and the parents that are involved are usually more accepting just of differences in general. Mm -hmm. um, and that allows for much more of that. I agree. Well, how is Mason doing today? How, um, what's he, he up to? He is doing amazing. So, uh, one of the resources we had as he got older is something called Project Search, and um, people can, you know, look it up online, but it's a program for young adults with special needs to go into the workforce. And they, what they do is they take kids and they intern them for, and he did a year long intern at a hospital two years ago. And they, they teach them how to basically be in a workplace. They teach them how to fill out applications. They teach them how to speak with a boss, how to do an interview. And then they take them through different jobs. So his was in a hospital, so they were hospital-based jobs, but they took him through different positions within the hospital for four months at a time um, and, you know, taught him how to have the responsibility of a job and things like that. And it was a wonderful program. And since then, he actually got a position at, in the janitorial staff at Scott and White here in Marble Falls. And it's been, I think, almost two years that he's been there. Um, and he loves it. He, he was as an adult, as a young adult, really kind of longing for some independence. And this has really given him that step. Um, 
He's doing so well with it. It's a task-oriented job. So for him, that's been great because he gets a list at the beginning of the day and he has to do everything on the list. And he gets to interact with people, but in a limited way. He, you know, goes into patient rooms and speaks with them mm-hmm. and, you know, and it's just chit-chat. So he's able to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just been really good for him. It, within the last year with all the COVID stuff, it's been interesting because he's, it's been very stressful at his workplace and he's handled it so well. And I've been super impressed with how he's doing. Well, that's fantastic. And is Project Search a nationwide program? Do you know? It is a nationwide program. Yes. That is great news because our listeners are all across the United States. And um, that's good that they can access that same resource for themselves wherever they live. Well, Jennifer, I really appreciate your time today and sharing your knowledge and experiences about homeschooling your son, Mason. And I'm sure our listeners appreciate it, too. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, too. I loved it. We really appreciate Jennifer for being with us and sharing her insights today. At this time in our podcast, we usually answer a big question. Holly, what's the big question today? The big question today is, I want to homeschool, but my kid wants to play organized sports. Can that work? Oh, I hear that a lot, or I have in the past. Yeah, there is, yes. Yeah, it's still a big issue, um, especially in Texas where football is the thing. Uh, People will be happy to homeschool until about high school, and then they start worrying. Oh, my son wants to play football. What can I do? Um, The good news is that in Texas and all across the country, there are lots of homeschool sports leagues that um, offer these opportunities. Um, And kids are actually getting scouted for college scholarships, uh, homeschool kids playing sports. Um, A woman I know, her daughter played homeschool volleyball, and she got a college scholarship based on volleyball. She was scouted. So, um, yeah, your kids can play just about any sport that they want to. There are there are private track teams. There are private um, baseball teams, private volleyball teams, football, all kinds of stuff, swimming, anything your kid wants to do. There's pretty much um, going to be an opportunity for them to do it. Oh, that's true. And even your community leagues around our community, there's a soccer league and there are children on that on those teams from public schools, private schools, and home schools. So, yeah, and I think that's really exciting because I know that when I first started homeschooling, there were not those opportunities. And that really was a reason why people chose not to homeschool. But really, the sky's the limit, and it's getting more and more um, common that people are homeschooling through high school and they want these activities and somebody is creating those opportunities. So it's, it's very exciting for homeschoolers right now, I think. I think so too. And that's a good question. And I hope that helps somebody. If you have homeschooling questions or comments, please email us at happyhomeschoolpod at gmail.com. Contact us on Twitter at underscore homeschoolpod. Visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash happyhomeschoolpod. And we're also on Instagram at instagram.com slash happyhomeschoolpod. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Melody. I'm Holly. Happy Happy homeschooling. homeschooling. Hi, this is your host, Melody Gillum. Thank you for listening to the Happy Homeschooler podcast, a transcript maker production. My co-host is Holly Williams-Urbach. 
This episode was produced by Matthew Bass and edited by Nora Williams. Our graphic design is by Pete Soloway, and our music is by The Great Pangolin. You can find her music on YouTube and Twitter at Kylie Wins. That's K-A-I-L-E-Y Wins. If you'd like to help our podcast grow, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or, as always, tell people about us. Um, that's, that's a challenge for anybody. Um, I'm rambling because I don't really know what I'm trying to say here. Today. <laughs> I think, well, I think that when you have a child that's having a difficulty or a challenge or has a disability, you develop a different set of skills than you might have otherwise. And you just learn more, but you just learn, you learn, you, you develop more skills. <laughs> You're going to have to throw all that out.